Hi, and welcome to One Little Candle, a place where genuine believers are encouraged, empowered, and inspired to be the light that God calls us to be by contending for the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his people so that we may pass down undefiled the truth of God's infallible word to the next generation. And in case you're thinking that you can't make a difference in your own little corner of the world, yes, you can, because all it takes is one little candle. I'm your host, Rebecca Bershwinger. Thanks for joining me for today's episode. One Little Candle is a member of the Christian podcast community, where you'll not only find great podcasts like this, but you'll also find great podcasts such as these. Hi, this is Jonathan coming to you from my walk-in closet in the small town of Manheim, Pennsylvania. Welcome to Small Town Theologian, a show devoted to digging into the Heidelberg Catechism and Ecumenical Creeds, not just to better understand foundational truths, but to seek to apply them to the rhythm of everyday life. May your life be shaped by what you learn. I'd love for the show to reach more people. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, would you please rate the show? Also, share the podcast with a friend. Thanks for supporting the show. So check it out at christianpodcastcommunity.org. Hello, fellow candles. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. If you have a heart for Israel like I do, you are going to absolutely love this episode. I recently had the pleasure of chatting with Michael and Vanessa Mistretta of Firm Israel. Firm Israel's mission is to empower local ministries to transform lives in Israel with the love of Jesus, or as they call him over there, Yeshua. So what Firm does is they serve a network of almost 60 ministries and organizations in Israel, and these ministries share a passion for reaching Israelis with the gospel. And obviously it takes a lot of time, effort, and funds and resources for these ministries to carry out the Great Commission, right, that Jesus commanded us to do, and that is to go and, and share the gospel throughout all, all nations, all kingdoms. So maybe you're like me and you've never had the privilege of going to Israel, or maybe you have, but you're looking for a way to bless Israel, to bless its people, because while Israel is, for Christians, it's a very holy place. That's where our Savior, our Lord and Savior was born. That is where he lived his life, where he conducted his his ministry. It's where he walked on water and, and he performed so many miracles. And that is where he died for the sins of you and I. And that is where he, after the third day, was resurrected. And it's in Israel where Jesus will once again return and he will rule right from Jerusalem. So yes, Israel is holy to Christians. It's a wonderful place to visit for that, but it's so much more than that. There are people there who are lost. They do not know Jesus Christ. As God's word tells us, there's a partial hardening going on for the Jews, his chosen covenant people. They do not know the love of Jesus Christ. They're still waiting for their Messiah to return. They didn't recognize him. They didn't acknowledge him when he came the first time. 
which is why ministries like Firm Israel and the ministries that Firm helps to support are so very important. We know time is short, and it's important to reach as many with the good news of Jesus Christ as soon as possible. And so from right where you're at, without ever stepping foot in Israel, you can bless Israel. We can bless Israel and its people and bring truth to the apple of God's eye, his covenant people who right now are living in spiritual darkness. So a little bit about Michael and Vanessa real quick here. Um, Michael is the CEO of FIRM, which, by the way, FIRM stands for Fellowship of Israel-Related Ministries. Michael was born in Toronto, Canada, and raised in the church. And later he received a call to Israel, where he then met Pastor Wayne Hillsden, and together they worked to start FIRM. Now, Michael's wife, Vanessa, she's the executive director of relationships with Firm. Vanessa was raised as a Jewish believer in Tampa, Florida, and she grew in her faith in the Messianic Jewish community and at Southeastern University as well, where there she received her bachelor's degree in ministry and communications and a master's degree in nonprofit management. Now, Michael and Vanessa's passion for Israel, and by the way, you'll hear them share this, it did not start out as a passion for Israel, but God always has his plans, doesn't he? (laughs) But their passion for Israel takes them around the world as they strive to build unique connections between the church and the body of believers in Israel, and then share about how God is moving in Israel today. And as you listen to them, you're going to realize that, yes, God is indeed moving in Israel today. And just listening to them, you're going to hear their passion for not just Israel and her people, but their passion for Jesus Christ, their love for Jesus Christ. So without further ado, here are Michael and Vanessa Mistretta of Firm Israel. Hi, Michael and Vanessa. Welcome to One Little Candle. Hi, Rebecca. Thanks for having us. Hi, thank you so much. It's an honor to be with you. It is my pleasure. I'm really excited to have you both here today because I feel like I'm bringing a little bit of Israel to my listeners. And as I shared with you before, I have a heart for Israel. I have a heart for her people, as do many Christians, obviously, and obviously you are included in that. And I want to talk to you about that a little bit in a minute. Um, how your love for Israel transpired. But before we do that, I kind of thought you could each share a little bit of your personal history or background, including how the two of you met. Well, it is actually a very interesting story. We met through Firm. Um, When Firm launched, I was actually, Firm is Fellowship of Israel Related Ministries. And um, we, I had spent time in Israel. I was already a citizen, but in that season I was living in the States. And then Michael was living in Israel and had just started firm with Pastor Wayne Hillsden. And um, he was living here, but he wasn't a citizen yet. And Pastor Wayne invited me to come to their launch conference and I got to go and um, we met and hit it off. And a year later, I moved back to Israel, and six months later, we got married. <laughs> That's how we do it. So, so <laughs> yeah, she yeah. moved to Israel before me, but I'm the reason that she st- stayed yes. in Israel. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, and, and both of us have very different journeys of how we came to Israel, as you kind of alluded to. I grew up 
in the church from Toronto, Canada. If you can't tell from my accent, I'm <laughs> not from around here and I don't have an Israeli accent, but uh, grew up in the church and loved God and loved the Great Commission. Never had a particular love for Israel until um, I, was, I was in the middle of a fast and I was praying to God as a young man, asking God, what do you want me to do with my life? And really felt this calling from God to uh, come to Israel and do ministry in Jerusalem. And that was the last thing I wanted. I, I originally even said, God, I'm not, I'm not one of those Christians that loves Israel. That's not who I am. Uh, send me to Africa. <laughs> I thought that's where you had to go to serve God was go to Africa. Mm-hmm. And But I said, God, if you're willing, I'm able to go. But you have to, sorry, if you want me to, I'm willing. But uh, you have to change my heart. And you have to help me make this happen. And so God started opening up the scriptures to me to a point where I fell in love with Israel. We can get more into that as we talk. Um, but it really was a process of discovery for me and then and then a process of moving here. Yeah, and for me, it's a little different. I actually grew up Jewish and um, my family, uh, my dad actually accepted the Lord and became a Messianic Jew, which is a Jewish person who believes in, in Jesus uh, when I was seven. And so we grew up in Messianic Judaism in America I'm from Florida originally. And when I, I studied abroad, actually, in Israel, I was going to a, um, a Christian university in Florida and ended up studying abroad here in 2005. And I kind of had a love-hate relationship with Israel for a while. It was one of those places that I felt like there was so much happening, but I, I didn't know how I would fit and how it fit into my paradigm of being Jewish, um, I felt a pull, but, but at the same time, I was like your all-American girl and had zero desire to come and move here. And uh, so also, God just really had to change my heart. And, um, you know, it was one of those things as well. I I felt like he really was drawing me here and calling me here. And I just, I said, God, I'll go wherever you want me to go, but I really would love to love where you call me to. And over time, it took me a while, but over time, I've come to really uh, love what he loves. And um, it's an incredible journey that he's taken us both on. Very different, uh, but ended up here together. Yeah, different, but similar. I mean, I'm hearing similar um stories in that neither of you had a heart for Israel <laughs> to begin with. I yeah. find that right. and, and I'm thinking as you're telling me this, this is so typical of how God works though. I think a lot of times he chose two people that didn't particularly think, yeah. you know, that that's right. what you wanted to do. You probably maybe had other plans or thoughts as to where you would want God to send you. Um, yeah. And he had, of course, his plans always stand. Yeah, I think that's such an important point, Rebecca, that, so much of a heart for Israel is not something that's only taught, but it's something that's caught. It's something that God has to download in our hearts. Yeah. Mm. And um, that, that would be something I would just encourage any listeners. Maybe maybe you've had a love for Israel for a very long time. Maybe you're saying, I don't, I don't really know what that means or what that looks like. <laughs> and I, I just invite you to ask the same question to God and pray the same prayer that I prayed, which is, God, would you give me your heart? If this is something that's important to you, if you do say Israel is the apple of your eye. And even if we don't understand what that means, we have to ask for his heart and for the Holy Spirit to give us his mind and his, uh, the, the emotions, what he feels towards Israel and the Jewish people. And that really is the only way we can navigate through this. Yeah. Uh, so I, I just think yes. that's important as we start this uh, that's conversation. A, that's a really good point, Michael. Very, I very know, much so. 
It, it also is something that, you know, it reminds me of God's faithfulness. You know, even Israel existing in and of itself right now is a, a reminder of God's faithfulness. But I really do believe that even for us being here, I mean, he says that he will draw the Jewish people back to the land from the four corners of the earth. And it will be a greater miracle than when he led them out of Egypt. And I believe that I'm a walking miracle because it's something when God says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. And, you know, (laughs) faithful to his words. So we're in the miraculous days, I would say. (laughs) Yeah. Ukrainian Jews are making their way into Israel. I think that's awesome. Again, more regathering um, taking place through all kinds of ways and God's methods and how he works. But so firm itself, what was the brainchild of this? What, what led to firm? Well, like I kind of shared some of my story, I felt like God said that I was going to be doing ministry in Jerusalem the rest of my life. Didn't know what that looked like. I moved to Israel, joined a local congregation here called King of Kings in Jerusalem and was just serving there. And God really knit um, my heart together with the, the senior pastor at the time of that congregation, uh, Pastor Wayne Hillsden. And we just kind of came together um, and helped to co-found Firm with the vision of wanting to see what the what we believe the Bible talks about all through the Old Testament and maybe most clearly in Romans 11, uh, verse 26, where it says all of Israel will be saved. And we want to see a day where every person in Israel will be transformed by the love of Yeshua or Jesus, but we, we know him by his Hebrew name here, Yeshua. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we think that happens um, as uh, two things. One, we see the church around the world um, provoking Israel to jealousy. Again, we can talk more about Romans 11, but that's this, this theme that salvations come to the nations in order to do something. There's a purpose. It's not just so all the nations can be saved. That, that is part of it, yes, mm-hmm. uh, but also to provoke Israel to jealousy. So that's one piece of the puzzle. We want to see a, a global church that's provoking Israel to jealousy. And then secondly, through a strong, thriving, healthy local body of believers and seeing a partnership between the global church and the local body of believers uh, working together to see all of Israel saved. So that, that was the vision again, big, ambiguous. Uh, now we've just celebrated our seventh birthdays as a ministry. Mm. So we've uh, wow. obviously figured out a lot of what we do in regards to that, but primarily we're, we're, we're wanting to transform lives in Israel through gospel centered ministries in here in the land as we work to strengthen, unite and resource them to do what God's called them to do um, so that we can all uh, reach as many people as possible. And you had mentioned, um, I think it was on the, on the website I had read where I think it was you that said this, Michael, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> that you noticing that all the people from around the world, Christians from around the world, they come to Israel, yeah, but they yeah. don't really, um, they don't maybe have they 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 come to receive, yes. um, but they don't maybe feel the mission that that's implied therein. So so for example, you know Israel's an amazing place, and if you haven't been, I encourage you to come and come and tour and walk where Jesus walked and run where Jesus walked and swim where <laughs> Jesus walked, all, all sorts of things. Um, yeah. It's an amazing place, but at the same time, it's not just a place for the Bible to come to life. That's part of it. But we want people to have a heart for the land and the people. And and as we go into my story, I mean, the thing that, that changed my paradigm was reading Paul's words in Romans chapter 9. 
first five verses of Romans chapter nine. And the reason it's so, it was so provoking to me as a, as a believer, as someone raised in the church, um, you know, you're at the climax of Romans at the end of Romans eight, Paul says, we're more than conquerors. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. You know, uh, all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So Paul says all these amazing things. It's literally the climax. And then Paul says at the beginning of Romans nine, he says, but I say all this and I have this great sorrow. He says, I have this never ceasing anguish. Like I am perpetually in pain in my heart. And you're like, what are you talking about, Paul? You just talked about all the great truths of we're adopted as sons and daughters and, you know, neither height nor depth can separate us from the love of God. Why do you have this never ceasing anguish? And he says, after all of this, I wish I could wish that I was cut off from Christ for the sake of my Jewish people. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I read that, and he says, to them belong the covenants and the adoption, the worship, and and from their race, according to the flesh, come, came the Messiah. And I remember when I read that and thought, man, I, I love Paul. I love reading Paul. I love reading the book of Romans. I, I want to be like this guy. But I can't relate with the emotions he's feeling right now. Like I read that and I'm like, that's not me. I, I don't have unceasing anguish. I don't have a great sorrow. And there was just something in me when I read that, that said, God, there must be something wrong in my heart, not wrong in, in your word. So would you help my heart to align to your word? Help show me what Paul saw, help me see what he saw, help me feel what he felt so that I can better understand your heart. And that's the journey of discovery that I feel like God has brought us on. So that's, that's our hope that people would come to the land, not just to receive and to go on a great tour site and have the Bible come to life, but to get that same heart um, that Paul talks about, that sorrow and that unceasing anguish to see all of Israel saved. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're so, there's just kind of separate when they're there. Like you, you were saying, they don't really form relationships necessarily with the people when you're just going there as a tourist um, to tour all those those spots. Yeah. And, and so, um, you know, back before, back before the pandemic, we had, you know, 4 million tourists come to Israel in 2019. Mm -hmm. That was the highest number. Most of those, the vast majority of Christians. And again, most of them would not be connected with a local body, with the, uh, the Messianic body or the Christian Arab body in the land. And that's, yeah. that's something we're not saying that's wrong. We're just saying there's more. Uh, there, there's more than just receiving. God actually has a calling, I believe, for every believer. And it, this is very clear in Romans chapter 11, that we are called to provoke Israel to jealousy. That God has a plan to see the salvation of the nations. Every tongue, every tribe, every people, every language. But he also has a, has, has a plan to see Jew and Gentile come to know him. And so yeah. that's something that we want people to tap into. And we want to make it easy for people that say, okay, I get it. This is important. But where do I start? Who do I trust? How do I get connected to find an easy way to get connected to Israel in a gospel-centered way? There, there are political avenues to get involved. There are other avenues to get involved. But we, we just believe that there, there is also a gospel-centered way to get involved sure. in Israel. And that and that's how I found firm was was just looking for for different ministries because I asked the same questions that you just asked because and my my love for Israel and its people because it, that's why that jumped out at me on your website because I thought not that I wouldn't want to go and tour all these wonderful places but mm. I've never had the desire to go as a tourist like I want to go and stay I want to go and be with the people there 
and I want to get my hands dirty. I want to do something, you know, Um, I know I'd be receiving great blessings at the same time because I was just in Israel, (laughs) but but the people, you know, there's, there's something about that with the people. And so when you had that on your website, I was like, yes, I think that's exactly it. And so I I thought, well, what can I do from here? Mm. What's out there? So that's when I started digging around and I came across firm. And so I started following your emails and then that led to contacting you for sure. this interview. Awesome. Well, thank you. And that's um, one of the things, and we, we look at it as such an honor to serve. We have 65 local ministry partners here that we get to serve and come and um, really just ask them, how can we help you? And really being able to um, hear the passion that they have and the stories of life transformation that they are, you know, really encountering on a daily basis and being able to come alongside them and not just be a bridge to those all over the world, but to also just come and and help them and encourage them and believe in them uh, because uh, God is really alive today and he's doing something and he's moving and it's exciting to be a part (laughs) of. And it's not just one area. It's through so many people in so many different, um, different avenues. So it's, it's just exciting to see. Absolutely. What are some of the um, the ministries that Firm does help? Yeah, so we, like Vanessa said, we have a network of over 60. So a lot of those are congregations. There's people that are helping um, just the needy and marginalized communities in Israel, whether that's people that are in poverty or Holocaust survivors or people struggling in addiction, drug addiction, um, other kinds of addictions, um, women and men on the streets, uh, uh, some that have been trafficked uh, from other countries around the world, refugees, um, also those that are helping to disciple young people, um, the outreach ministries that are involved in outreach in some sort of avenue or way. Um, Yeah, ministries that are working in pro-life, ministries that are serving the needy. And there's so many different areas. And and all of our our local partners are just such heroes in this regard. And that's, that's our vision is not to replicate what someone else is doing, but simply to help to, to highlight and to accelerate what God's leading them to do. And so we would encourage pastors of churches or people, if there's a specific cause that you have, that's God's put on your heart and that you care about, if there's a certain passion, um, there's a place for you to connect with a a trusted ministry in Israel that's doing that in a gospel centered way. And we try to make that available and easy. Some people want to go and watch through all the videos on our website and find a ministry and get involved exactly with that one. Some want to say, Hey, I, I, I just have a little something I can contribute every month, but you decide where that goes. And we have what we call the firm foundation. So basically a hundred percent of what someone gives um, to these ministries, we fund into local projects. We don't take an admin fee or a percentage or anything like that. We want to make it easy and compelling and make sure that people can know where 100% of their money is going and get the report back and see the impact that they're giving. So that's kind of this innovative funding model that we really felt God put on our heart as we've tried to highlight different causes across the country. Yeah, and you, wow, you just named a lot. <laughs> as you're naming them, I'm thinking, you know, different part of the world, same broken people, same Well, and, and, and I'll give a And I'll give a a great example. I mean, there's so many different ministries, but you brought up, you know, Ukrainian Jews. Um, Obviously, everything changed on February 24th when uh, Russia invaded the Ukraine. And it it was, you know, I don't know that anyone expected that it would happen. I've talked to several 
Ukrainians and Russians that all thought there's no way this could happen. And we've now seen tens of thousands of Ukrainian refugees come into Israel, many of whom are Jewish. Um, and our local partners across the country, I think there's like 13 or 14 of them that have mobilized getting food and clothing and uh, support and helping people find housing and getting furnishing houses and um, helping them get status with the government and helping get them to the country and help them get a job and helping translate and connect them with the congregation. So it, it's as much as it's a horrible crisis and we've spent a lot of time praying about this as a team and and grieving over what's happened it's been beautiful to see the body in israel working together i mean it's, it's like no matter what min your ministry was everyone's thinking of a way they can help we were on a call today with the congregation up north that has a guest house and they said hey we'd love to open it up to as many ukrainian refugees as possible and so we're trying to kind of <laughs> facilitate as much as we can figure out the people that need help and find all the different resources and people that are, are willing to help and that have that feel so compelled to help in this time. Hmm. Oh, that is wonderful. Yeah, I'm, I've I've read I've been reading about the influx um, coming to Israel. So God bless Israel for doing that. <clears throat> I, I'm I'm hearing we yeah. haven't received a ton of them here in the U.S. Um, as of now, I'm not sure, you know, what's going to yeah. transpire with that, but. Yeah, it's one of the things actually, you know, even just with proximity, there's a lot of the neighboring countries that are taking many people, but then also Israel's not that far um, from True. Ukraine. And, yeah. um, and I think it's just one of those things that, you know, we're opening up the borders. I actually, I think Israel's doing a really great job. We're, we're not just opening the borders for Jewish Ukrainians, we're opening up the borders for just all refugees at this point, and then they'll mm -hmm. figure things out later, just recognizing the reality of what they're experiencing. And, um, and really there's a lot of people here who are mobilizing their efforts to help and to receive and to show the love of Yeshua to them um, and to really help them get settled um, in such a tragic time. What an opportunity. I was just um, talking with some friends who collaborate on a podcast episode with me and we were just saying for Christianity and the gospel like talk about striking while the iron is hot as the saying right. goes like it is such Absolutely. such a time for the gospel i mean we've never had mm. so many doors flung open i don't think for us yeah. as we do now with everything that's going on in the state of the world what a what a great yeah. mission you know the harvest is right it has been for a long time but the yeah, harvest yeah. Is, is right um and, and and god can use these political events Mm -hmm. to uh, produce amazing harvest. And uh, we, we said in our prayer time today as a team that the last uh, major thing that happened when the, when the Iron Curtain fell and the Soviet Union kind of went away, there was an influx of almost a million former uh, Jews from the former Soviet Union to Israel. And it was also this unprecedented time of openness to the gospel. And yeah. so many people came to faith. And now the body of believers in Israel, which is very small, a quarter of 1% of Israel believes in Yeshua. So that, that might blow some people's minds. Wow. Okay. It just, blew, it just blew mine. <laughs> I didn't know. I did not know that. Yeah. It's crazy to think the place that from where the gospel came hmm. uh, out to all the nations of the world. Now you have people in the, the remote, most remote places in the world, worshiping the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but that there's only maybe 30,000 believers uh, in Israel. And of that body, almost two thirds of the body are Russian speaking Jews. Uh, because of what happened in the 90s with the immigration of the former Soviet Union. So I say that to say wow. God can use these situations um, and, and use them for good and with his purposes and plans. 
Absolutely. Yes, he can. He's sovereign, sovereign in all of this. Do you have like an encouraging story or two where you've really seen um, God at work in and through firm? You have any other highlights that stand out in your mind? Yeah, I actually, you know, there's a couple of them that we've um, just come across lately, just that were very encouraging. One in particular, we work with um, actually an, an Arab pastor up in Nazareth who just has such an incredible heart for, for so just for everyone. And um, they have an outreach that they do and they were giving away goods to those in need and um, ended up on on the phone with a Jewish person who called and, you know, basically was thanking them for the gift that she'd received. And she just expressed confusion. Like, I don't understand why you're loving on me and, and giving me and providing for me. I thought we were supposed to be enemies. And he was able to share the gospel and the love of Yeshua with her and basically say, because of Yeshua, we can be friends and we can be brother and sister. And he ended up sharing about Yeshua. And at the end of the call, she accepted the Lord as her savior, which <laughs> was just incredible, you know, how God is using so many different people here um, and uh, through his Holy Spirit, drawing those in. And um, so that was just an encouraging story that we heard up in the north and another one actually as well there was um this man who had struggled with drug addiction and many different um mental illnesses over time that he just couldn't break through and so we work with a um a rehabilitation center up in the north and it's a messianic rehabilitation center and they took him in and um, he actually comes from an Orthodox family and the family did not want him going to this Messianic Rehabilitation Center, but they had tried so many other places that, that he just couldn't find breakthrough. And within a week, I think it was a week of him being there, um, he just started to find tremendous breakthrough and they started sharing about Yeshua and he got intrigued and read the New Testament and what was it? Six weeks. Six weeks. <laughs> and I just had so much revelation and came to know the Lord and also accepted Yeshua as his as a savior and just had a huge life transformation Total and um, his family, although again, they didn't love that he was in a messianic area or, um, you know, community. They just, they couldn't help, but be so grateful for the transformation that they had seen in his life. And, yeah. you know, just talk about freedom. Um, it's just incredible to see. So God's working and doing some incredible things. And, you know, every life matters, every single person and everybody's story is different. Everybody's experience is different. And Israel has an eclectic mix of immigrants and people who, you know, really have different pain from different places. And it builds up over time, just like, just like anybody. And, uh, you know, I, I really believe that God is breaking down those walls and those hurts and, bringing people together. And, um, and it's just, yeah, it's really neat to see. Oh, wow. Yeah. You're seeing it there firsthand. Got a front yeah. row seat to all that. And, and again, it's because of ministries like firm, um, that are putting themselves out there. Um, yeah. are there any particular struggles that these ministries have that we can be praying for? I mean, yes. we can help financially too, but really carry yeah. you in prayer. Maybe, maybe even struggles that are particular for Israel. Yes. In Israel. 
No, I'm really glad you asked that. And yeah, finances are always helpful, but prayer is really what's going to make all this possible. We, I, I feel like we can pray from a place knowing God's promises and know what, know what he's promised is towards Israel, um, that, that he will bring the Jewish people back to the land, which he's doing, and that he will remove this heart of stone and give a heart of flesh and uh, that there'll be a spiritual restoration that follows the physical restoration. So that's, I, I would say that's something we're seeing in this generation, in our generation, uh, that we haven't seen before. More Jewish people coming to faith with the, the miraculous uh, resurrection of the state of Israel in 1948, mm-hmm. uh, all that happening. There's so much happening there. So what can you pray about specifically what, what struggles? Um, it, it, it is a challenge for, for Jewish people to come to faith. It's not something, it's not like maybe some uh, churches in the West where, uh, you know, you can invite your friends to church. And, you know, I think the statistic is, I don't know, 60 or 70% of the people, if you invite them to church, they come to church, they, they say a prayer, they raise their hands. Uh, it's not quite that way in Israel. I mean, the, the, the idea, the Jewish concept of church would be, um, uh, you know, I, I, a, a church with stained glass windows and with, uh, in their minds, worshiping multiple gods with statues of different saints, or they don't know that mm-hmm. it's saints or gods. And so the idea that from a child, they've been taught, you know, hero Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. And now you're telling me about Jesus and mother Mary and this and that, like, it just gets very confusing. So that's, yeah, that's a huge yeah. struggle to understand how the Trinity uh, works that, that, that Yeshua, that Jesus, the Messiah can also be God. Uh, so that's, that's a huge struggle. The idea that the Messiah has come as a suffering servant and not mm-hmm. as a conquering King, that that's a huge struggle. Um, just that identity. And of course there's Isaiah 53 and every Christian would quote that and say, wow, it's so clearly Yeshua. Well, that's, that's something that's been masked and hidden. In fact, rabbinic Judaism over the last 2000 years has really they've come up with other interpretations of what that passage means. And they've actually taken that passage out of the regular reading cycle that every Jew goes through every year, read in all the synagogues, they've removed Isaiah 53. So it doesn't come up. Mm-hmm. So the, pray that, that, that one, that the, the divinity of Jesus, but also the, the suffer that he came as a suffering servant the first time, but he will come as a conquering King. And that's a struggle when, when we say to people, oh, yeah, did you know the Messiah already came? They're like, well, well, if he came, why is there still suffering in the world? Why is there still <laughs> yeah. Why do we have all these enemies, right? Why yeah. is there not peace here? And, mm. and, and, and the, the, the answer to that is not that they expected something wrong with the Messiah, but mm. that it's, um, there, there was something back in first century Judaism that they believed maybe there were going to be two Messiahs. The Messiah, uh, Mashiach ben Yosef and the Messiah ben David, the, the Messiah son of Joseph and the Messiah son of David. Now they're not talking about Joseph, uh, the carpenter from Nazareth. They're talking about okay. Joseph, uh, Jacob's son. Okay. And, and, and the a Messiah son of David. So the Messiah son of David was supposed to be this conquering king that would sit on the, on the throne of David. And the Messiah son of Joseph was supposed to be the servant figure that saves his people. Like he does, like Joseph does in the book of Genesis. And, in some ways, even his brothers didn't know his true identity. And when they found out that they had betrayed his identity, all of a sudden, this was a, this was actually a belief in early first century Judaism. Um, and so they didn't get it that wrong. It's not that there's two messiahs. There's one messiah. It's just two comings. It's, mm-hmm. it's two different 
times he came first to deal with sin to save his people and the mm -hmm. second time to to rule and reign as king and mm -hmm. so the more that we can see that uh truth highlighted and again the bible talks about this there's a veil over the eyes of the jewish people yeah. um and and so that it, that's what we need prayers for that that veil would be torn that, that heart of stone would be turned into a heart of flesh and that god would give boldness to his body of believers here that again we're a minority we're a fraction of one percent of the population of israel but would god let us be a light to our people and shine brightly even when there, there's so much um when someone comes to faith many times they're disowned from their family there's a lot of hurt there's a lot of there's a lot of loss and it's not, it's not an easy, it's, it's a sacrifice for someone to choose to follow Yeshua. So I'd, I'd say all those things, especially for our next generation. I mean, mm -hmm. many of them, they go into the army at age 18. Every Israeli has to go into the army, mandatory service, uh, men and women from age 18. And many of them, uh, sadly, that are not strong in their faith, it's easy for them to choose between my identity as an Israeli and my faith in Yeshua. And sometimes their faith isn't strong enough to withstand uh, that 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 test and the peer pressure and so again just pray for some of these different struggles that we would have a strong body of believers that we would disciple our young people that as they go into the army they would not be molded by the world but they would actually be a light to their units and uh, the, their peers and their friends around them and uh, that we would continue uh, having those hard conversations until we see the day where all of israel is safe yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. I'm what you really did too is you just really um opened it up for me um into the mind of the Jewish person when you talked about how they view our religion and what they get a picture of when they think of Christianity. Right. Yeah. Um I did not realize that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure many one, people one, one, don't. One more one more thing it's worth mentioning is just you know, a lot of Jews would say that the Holocaust was if not perpetuated, was definitely allowed by the church in Germany. If you come to the Holocaust mm -hmm. Museum in uh, Jerusalem, one of the first things you see, Yad Vashem in Jerusalem, is a quote from the German church that was used by the Nazis to, as an excuse to uh, perpetuate the Holocaust. So, yeah. so again, as you say, it, it's eye-opening. It, it's eye-opening for a lot of Christians. There are a lot of Jews that know Christians love Israel. So that, that that's changing. Thank God. Thanks to a lot of an amazing Christians that have just shown incredible love over the years. But there still is this hurt. There's this idea that, you know, the New Testament is a book written on how to persecute the Jews. Mm -hmm. And that Jesus was not Jewish, but he was a Catholic. Uh, he was mm -hmm. born in the Vatican. You know, there's, there's, mm -hmm. it, it sounds silly, but but that's but that's the perception. And mm -hmm. uh, it's like taboo even to talk about or touch a New Testament. So anyway, I hope that gives a little, just a little bit of insight into some of the struggles here. It definitely, definitely does. Oh, my goodness. And it's, it's funny you're, you're saying this because are you familiar with Genesis 12, 3 Foundation? Um, uh, that, yeah, I, I, know, I know one organization called that. So I don't know if it's that organization. That's a ministry in Israel. He's an Orthodox. Jonathan, excuse me if I'm getting the last okay, name. Yes, it's yes, either I Feldstein or Feldstein. I don't know yeah. <laughs> which Feldstein. it is. Is it Feldstein? Thank you. He's going to be coming on one little candle in the near future. Yes. But um, my eyes were open a little bit when he, he is currently in the U.S. for three and a half weeks um, trying to bridge the gap between Christians and Jews. Now, this man is an Orthodox Jew. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which is yeah. very unusual for him to be doing this. 
Um, <laughs> he, he has yeah. an appreciation for the Christian's appreciation of Israel and the Jewish people. But um, he's really taking a beating on his Facebook page yeah. um, for what he's doing from wow. his fellow yeah. Jewish people. And when I read some of the comments, I, I couldn't believe the, I, I guess you could say hatred for yeah. Christians and him, his being in churches. Um, and some person made the comment, you know, that you're, you're with the people that are, that are persecuting us. Yeah. And I'm just trying to wrap my brain around it because here I am like a heart for the right. Jewish people as a Christian, you know, right. I mean, I literally when when I see Jews being attacked and hurt and I, I, I cry, my heart just breaks and it bleeds. And, yeah. and I was like, wow, they're in right. one completely different area. And it, it really did. Um, it, caught my attention. I yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. Wow. Unfortunately, it you know, wasn't just the Holocaust. There were many other scenarios, even the Spanish Inquisition and different different times that, you know, mm-hmm. the the church was used and obviously it's it's not the, you know, the Jesus that we served like it, 